G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Sexual immorality, low self-esteem are three of the most stubborn sins known to mankind. We know we should eliminate them from our lives, but the question is how? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're continuing in the next message in this series called Eliminating Stubborn Sin Once and for All to help set you free from the power of sin by God's Spirit and through His Word. So let's get into it and please stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a special edition book that I'd love to send you as my free gift to you. It's called Eliminating Stubborn Sin Once and for All. And it's all about helping you to live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give you. Well, welcome to this third week in the series called Eliminating Stubborn Sin Once and for All. Over the last few weeks on the program, we've seen that God truly does want us to overcome stubborn sin in our lives, that God gives us the power to deal with every sin, and whatever temptation comes our way, he gives us the way out, a way of dealing with it. Actually, there are very few things that God says don't do, and the only things to which he says don't do are the things, if we're honest with ourselves, the things that are going to hurt us. And today we're going to look at anger, sexual immorality and low self-esteem because they're way up there. But when it comes to dealing with these stubborn sins, the issue is not so much that we should get rid of them. We kind of know that. The question is, how? So let's kick off today with anger because anger is actually a big issue in this world today. Seems we're all so busy doing all the things we have to do, racing around, taking the kids to school, getting off to work... And at work these days, the pressure's really on. Make more, achieve more, deliver more. It used to be in the good old days, the pace was much slower. You had to wait for the mail to arrive. And when you sent a letter out, it took a couple of days to get it all correct through the typing pool. But these days, even when people are on holidays with their families, they're answering emails on their mobile phones. We're so connected, so in demand, so busy. It's almost like we're like battery hens that the slightest thing makes us snap. Some people have more of a problem with anger than others. The more achievement-oriented and outcome-focused a personality we have, the more we're going to be prone to anger. And that was my biggie when I became a Christian. Anger. Nothing was ever good enough or fast enough for me. And as I look at that, the whole anger thing was based on a self-centeredness and and a sense of self-importance. The world was there to serve me and to fit in with my plans. And if you didn't play the game by my rules and deliver what I wanted, well, watch out. It's a way of living and thinking and behaving that robs us of relationships and tenderness and joy. It's actually awful. But how can we change that? Well, here's how. Psalm 145 verse 8 says this, The Lord is gracious and merciful and slow to anger 
and abounding in steadfast love. What that's saying is that God's grace and his mercy and his steadfast love make him slow to get angry. God does get angry sometimes, and that's a fearsome thing, but not at the drop of a hat. He doesn't have a temper that's on a hair trigger. Why? Because he's abounding in steadfast love. In other words, he's more focused on loving us for who we are than what we do or don't do. Imagine if this awesome and mighty God became angry with you and me every time we didn't fit in with his plans. We wouldn't last very long, would we? For me, learning to break the pattern of angry behaviour began with loving the people I was dealing with, valuing them for who they were, understanding their hurts and their inadequacies, the things that had happened to them in their lives that made them behave the way they did. And the more I did that, the less angry I started to feel. In fact, what I began to do was prepare myself for people. As I said, I'm one of these outcome-focused people who moves quickly, sets goals, achieves them, and it's easier when you like that just to roll over the top of people. And then, then I have to work with someone who just wants to have fun. You know, the sort of people, they just want to enjoy the moment, and I just want to get things done. But without them to help me enjoy the moment, well, I'd miss out. So I started to prepare myself, have to work with him today, right, okay, I I understand him, he's not going to be like me today, and that's okay. Almost forgiving them, if you like, before they walked into the room. It took me a while to figure it out, but that's what God's like. That's what that verse from that psalm is all about. Psalm 145, verse 8, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And actually that slow to anger thing has a lot to be said for it. Here are a couple of verses from Proverbs that really helped me. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16. Fools show their anger at once, but the prudent ignore an insult. In other words, the moment someone says something that triggers anger in me, well, I've learned to let it pass me by more often than not these days. Now, I don't have to win every time anymore. I don't have to have the last say. I don't have to be right all the time. Only fools show their anger at once. The prudent ignore an insult. And this verse, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This one's like being a shock absorber. When someone does something to stir up anger and dissent, how wonderful it is to respond with gentleness and wisdom, calming the situation, instead of throwing fuel on the fire with a harsh word. Ignore the insult and respond with a gentle, soft answer. Can I tell you, once I decided to start loving the people around me, These two things took a bit of practice, but after a while they became a habit because they're a much, much better way of living. These days I have much more peace in my heart, much more joy in my life. Instead of always having my day ruined by other people's failure to fit in with my plans, I've discovered the joy of fitting in with their plans sometimes too. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing with letting the anger go is that it set me free to enjoy the beauty and the creativity and the incredible specialness of each person I come in contact with. It's like a whole new world's opened up. Do I still get angry sometimes? Of course I do. So do you. It's what I do with that anger when it happens that makes all the difference. This anger thing was a stubborn sin in my life. It was one that looked like it would never go away. But when I took those few simple scriptures we just talked about and started applying them to my life, God did the rest. He he set me free from a sin that would have ruined the rest of my life. Now, after this break, we're going to come back to look at another one of those stubborn sins, sexual immorality. 
Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. The devil is constantly trying to trip you up with the same old tricks, lies, deceptions, and temptations. But Jesus came to give you victory, complete victory over all that stuff. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our special edition book this month called Eliminating Stubborn Sin Once and for All. It's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you live in the victory over sin that Jesus died and rose again to give you. To request your copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website. It's called ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send your free book straight out to you in the post. Remember, this isn't one of our usual life application booklets, but a special edition book, Eliminating Stubborn Sin Once and For All. Those contact details, again, in case you miss them, are online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Now, sometimes the most obvious and simple truths are the most powerful, like this one. When I spend time alone with Jesus in the morning, sin has far less power over me on those days. So why do we miss doing that? Before the break, we looked at overcoming anger. And right now, we're going to move on to sexual immorality because it's one of the most stubborn sins of all. It seems these days that it doesn't matter how hard we try, sexuality is constantly thrust before our eyes and under our noses. Now, don't get me wrong. I have a very simple view about sex. God invented it. It's good. It's great. But the role of our sexuality, apart from the obvious thing of keeping the human race going by bringing babies into the world is to bring a husband and a wife into a level of intimacy so wonderful that there aren't enough words to describe how good that is. But because sex sells, it's used in the media to such an extent that you can't walk down the street without having an image of a a scantily clad woman advertising some product on a billboard shoved in your face. Now, God's word is pretty clear on sex, and here it is in a nutshell. Human sexuality is a part of his design for humanity, and as such... Physical intimacy is a beautiful gift from him, but the only proper expression of that gift is exclusively between one man and one woman who've been joined together as husband and wife in a lifelong bond of marriage. And people who continue in sexual immorality outside that, whatever form that takes, will not inherit the kingdom of God. They are not my ideas. That is clearly, clearly what God says through what I believe to be his word, the Bible. Now, I think that one of the biggest issues today is pornography. So many men are caught up in sexual immorality. They're they're married. They want to be faithful to their wives. With the internet available 24 by 7, the temptation is simply too great. And so they're caught up in a cycle of addiction and shame that spirals ever downward. It actually robs them of the intimacy that God had planned for them. It substitutes a poor imposter for the real thing. And because they're carrying the burden of hidden shame around in their hearts, it robs them of the power that God has for their lives, the the power to make a difference for God in this world. That's why this particular stubborn sin is so insidious. Here are some sobering statistics. Over 50% of all men are addicted to pornography. 
over 82% of males between 15 and 28 have intentionally or deliberately sought out pornography in the last three months. A man whose campaign to help men addicted to pornography, Pastor Steve Davies, puts it this way. He says, we're at war and pornography is Satan's number one weapon against men to destroy their walk with Christ. So how do we overcome this most stubborn of sins? If you're a man addicted to this cycle of pornography, how can you overcome it? If you're a woman who's living through the pain of her husband's addiction to pornography, how can you be part of overcoming it? They're tough issues, and perhaps the odd person's squirming right now, and maybe you're tempted to turn the radio off. But God's Word speaks into every situation, every situation. And this sin is no different. For the man who's caught up in this most stubborn of sins, the first thing he needs to know and understand is this, that Jesus came to set you free from every sin, every sin, and this sin is no different. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14 says this, He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So anyone who's put their faith in Jesus has been rescued from the power of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And this scripture too, Romans chapter 6, verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. So here's the very first thing. This man caught up in pornography is entitled to believe that something has happened. Sin no longer has dominion over him. And whilst it might take a little while to overcome this addiction, the power of sin is broken because God applies his grace to you in that situation. This has already been dealt with on the cross of Christ. Once and for all, the power of sin has been broken. So instead of approaching this addiction with faith in failure, you can approach it knowing that the deal's already done. Success is guaranteed, and every time the devil whispers doubt into your heart, you can stand on God's word. The second thing is getting really practical about what you look at and where your mind wanders. Proverbs chapter 5 is a powerful part of God's word for anyone caught in the cycle of pornography. In particular, verse 8 says this about seduction. Keep your way far from her. And do not go near the door of her house. It's so easy in a world saturated with sexuality to let one image, one unintended and unfortunate encounter act as a trigger for this addiction. Keep away. In other words, don't put yourself in places where you're going to be trapped. And when the temptation does come your way, don't go near to the door of her house. In other words, guard your eyes, guard your mind, guard your heart, stay away and don't go there. Any man knows that there is a line that he can step over, allowing his mind to wander into places where it should never go. And that wandering ultimately conceives sin. Thirdly, you men who are married, flee. Flee into the arms of your wife. She is the real thing. She is God's perfect provision for you. And as I said earlier on the program, God's plan for exclusive intimacy between one man and one woman who are yoked together for life through thick and thin is so utterly wonderful. It can never be replaced by this imposter called pornography. This may surprise you if you've never read it before, but the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 to 5, tells husbands and wives to be intimate with one another. Go on, read it for yourself. It's all there. It's God's plan. Finally, you men who are addicted to pornography, let me say this, and this is going to be perhaps the hardest thing of all. You need to be accountable to your wife if you're married and to other men. 
It's time for us to go beyond the shame and look for solutions. God's plan is to set men free from this addiction. It is the most stubborn of sins because it's hidden. Bring it out into the open and as much pain as it may cause in a marriage, that's the place where healing can begin. And if you're a wife, hurt you may be by this infidelity and adultery because that's what it is. Here's my counsel to you. Forgive your husband and be part of the solution. Love him, hold him, and the Lord your God will use you as his instrument to heal this man whom he's entrusted to you. Love does hurt sometimes, and this is one of those times, but the prize, the prize is worth it, isn't it? I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now also receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the Fresh printed devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1300 722 415. Go ahead, sign up to receive fresh and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Now for so many people, they have stuff in their hearts that's ruining their lives and yet somehow we don't think about it too much except when the consequences of that stuff hurts like hell. How do we get out on the front foot? Now, finally on the program today, we look at low self-esteem. Low self-esteem is a rampant disease in our society, particularly, let me say, amongst women. And while the Bible has lots to say about pride, it appears to be almost silent on this thing that nowadays we refer to as low self-esteem. So what is it? Well, put simply, it's an unhealthily low sense of self-worth. Oh, I'm no good. I can't do anything. I'm useless. I'm stupid. I'm worthless. All those statements are thoughts that constantly, constantly plague people with low self-esteem. And the impact of them is that the people who suffer from this unhealthily low sense of self-worth struggle to have any meaningful relationships. They don't have any joy. They don't have any peace in their lives. They're touchy. Their feelings are easily hurt. And it's like a prison, this low self-esteem thing. For many, it seems like a lifelong sentence. Now, not a single one of us wouldn't agree that anyone who suffers from low self-esteem is missing out on a full and healthy life. They're, in a sense, missing the point of life, at least the point that God meant for them, which is a full and abundant and rich life. And if that's the case, then there's only one name for low self-esteem. It's sin. Now, I don't mean to make things worse, but sin, as it's defined in the New Testament, literally means to miss the mark, or as we might say today to miss the whole point of life. And wandering around with this incredibly low sense of self-worth misses the whole point, doesn't it? 
We all know people with low self-esteem. We know how debilitating it is. We can see how it robs them of, of rich and meaningful relationships. But how many of us would have thought of it as sin? Well, let's call it for what it is. And there's a good reason to do that, because whilst sin is all too common, it is not normal. Jesus came to set us free from sin and its effects. Not just that we might have forgiveness for sins past, but that we would be free from them today and for all eternity. The problem with people who have low self-esteem is that they don't for one minute imagine that their lives could be any different. They They don't for a single minute believe that Jesus came to set them free from the pain and the anguish of their low self-esteem. But what if well, what if he came to do exactly that? Would you want to be part of it? Maybe that's for you. Maybe it's for someone who's close to you. Well, I come to you today with some good news. It's great news. Jesus came to set us free from sin, every sin, including this sin. Stubborn though it may be, persistent though it may be, as much as anyone who suffers from low self-esteem imagines that they will never be free of it, Jesus came to set them free. Here's how I know, without a shadow of a doubt, that this is true. At the beginning of his public ministry, Jesus stood up in the synagogue to tell people about himself. And he chose to quote from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah using chapter 61. Let me read to you the opening few verses, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Tell me, tell me that those who are suffering from this debilitating sin of low self-esteem, tell me they're not included in that. Gladness instead of mourning. God's favour, comfort for all who mourn, binding up the brokenhearted, liberty for the captives, release for the prisoners. The key... The key to being free from low self-esteem is simply to know this, that you and I, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139, verse 14, handcrafted by God in his own image. See, most of us have spent so long, so very long, staring at our reflections in this distorted mirror of the world that we've developed a distorted image of ourselves. We look at people who are more successful, more beautiful, more intelligent, more anything else you'd care to name more than us. We watch the ads on TV full of beautiful people telling us we could be like them. And no wonder people have low self-esteem. But what if we are indeed fearfully and wonderfully handcrafted by God himself, made in his image? What if when he looks at us, his great and mighty heart aches for us? Now, Here's a question. This is the question. What are we going to believe? The world's distortion or God's truth? Well, what are you going to believe? The problem is that someone with low self-esteem may well be able to to get a glimpse of that, but the feelings of complete inadequacy crash over them day by day by day, minute by minute, swamping any budding confidence that they might have developed in God's truth. That's why 
If you're someone who's struggling with low self-esteem, if this is a stubborn sin that you just can't overcome in your life, I want to give you something today that I believe. In fact, I know God will use it to heal you from the sin and its devastating effects. It's a short, simple passage of Scripture that even I can memorize. Here it is, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works that God prepared beforehand for us to do. Now, if you're someone who's struggled all your life with low self-esteem, I believe God is going to use his word to help you overcome it once and for all. Because every time your distorted image is reflected back at you through the lies and the deceptions of this world, you can take this scripture. This verse, say it to yourself, choose to believe God over the world. Every time your feelings are hurt, every time you feel that gut-wrenching pain of rejection and fear and anguish, take this verse, listen to God and believe Him instead of the world. Listen to God, memorize this scripture. It's something that you can do in just about 10 minutes or so. Own it, let God's word do its work in you and I know that you will be set free from stubborn sin, this stubborn sin of low self-esteem. I know that anyone caught up in low self-esteem believes that it's a life sentence. My friend, it is not. Jesus came, he died for you, he rose again for you. Our value is in what God says and not in what the world says. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God prepared beforehand for us to do. My friend, that is the truth. all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give them. But you see, that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. And listen, when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that special edition book that I mentioned earlier. It's called Eliminating Stubborn Sin Once and For All. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.